Welcome back to another episode of the Tesla News podcast, where we bring you the essential briefing on the key news of the week for everyone who works for and with schools. I'm Matilda Martin, news reporter at Tez, and this week is a slightly different setup. At the beginning of this week, I was at the Conservative Party conference in Manchester, bringing you all the latest coverage and news for schools, all of which you can see on our website. Right now, I'm in Birmingham with my colleague, Deputy News Editor John Roberts, covering the Confederation of Schools Trust Conference. And next week, I'll be heading to the Labour Conference in Liverpool. So, John, thanks for, for joining us on the podcast this week. No problem. Good to have you on. So yeah, we're, we're in Birmingham this week, just kind of come across from, from Manchester yesterday. And it was certainly an interesting Tory conference. Yeah, it seems like it's quite an interesting timing for this conference and for you on a conference marathon. So we had the Conservative Party conference this, this week just finished. We're here on the second day of uh, the Confederation of School Trusts here in Birmingham. And then you're back up north again for Labour. If only there was a high-speed rail train that could link you from the Midlands to the north. It seems like to me there was there was obviously the two keynote speeches from the Conservative Party conference with two announcements, uh, one from Gillian Keegan and one from Rishi Sunak. Do you want to talk us through those to start with? Yeah, sure. So the first one was the Gillian Keegan one, which was kind of trailed in, in the Daily Mail the day before around the mobile phone ban. Um as, as you know, anyone who, who works in schools knows, banning mobile phones from classrooms and from schools is something that has come up quite frequently over the past few years um, from education secretaries. Um, so w- what we found out when she eventually did her, her speech was that it was just kind of guidance um, sent to school leaders just basically saying that phones shouldn't be used in the classroom. Obviously, this is non-statutory guidance. There was a note saying that they might make it statutory. Yeah, it's, um, it feels like, and it's maybe because I've been covering this sector for a long time, I think this might be the third or fourth iteration of this story that I've seen. And it always follows the same cycle, which is a big, bold announcement that makes kind of national media headlines. I think it was a front page trail that they could ban mobile phones in schools. It then emerges that it's non-statutory guidance. So essentially they're giving schools something that they should be taking into account. When this last happened two years ago, Gavin Williamson said he wanted to make the school day mobile phone free. Then we had a story from Nick Gibbs saying, actually, this will be non-statutory guidance. And then when the guidance did materialize, um, it, it said, I think probably some people m- might say sensibly, that actually these kind of operational decisions are best done at school level. So it does feel a little bit um, like a kind of a recurring news cycle, but I guess it might be something that resonates with a, a wider audience, a national audience with parents. And we know that there are big issues around safeguarding and the use of mobile phones in, in, in cyberbullying is, is, is something that's um, a prevalent problem. But I, I think there'll also be a, a kind of a weariness because I think by making it a national political party conference announcement, and I think they described it as one of the biggest issues. Well, I, I think that sort of suggests that schools aren't on top of it. And um, I know there'll be some people who are of that opinion, but I think most people we speak to, most school leaders we speak to, say that they have a policy. And it might not be an outright ban, but it might be a ban in the classroom or a ban in the school grounds, or you can bring it in, but then it has to go in your bag or your locker. And that's not quite as, it's not quite an outright ban. It's not quite as punchy as saying we're banning phones from schools, but it's probably the reality for most sort of secondary schools that we, that we speak to. So it's interesting that they made it their main announcement of the education secretary's speech. I think one thing that struck me as well is just how it was very quickly mentioned and then gone. I think she was talking about it for less than 30 seconds. So it does feel a little bit like it was um, 
I guess because the Prime Minister had so much to say later in the week that they, they were looking for an announcement that they could put in her speech. For sure. I, I do feel like Rishi kind of stole her thunder a little bit there and, and left her with, with nothing to kind of say in hers. On Wednesday, we had this big announcement from, from Rishi Sunak. We will introduce the new rigorous, knowledge-rich, advanced British standard, which will bring together A-levels and T-levels into a new single qualification for our school leavers. This will finally deliver on the promise of parity of esteem between academic and technical education, because all students will sit the advanced British standard. You know, when we were listening to the speech, I, I did kind of think he kind of spent about 30 seconds talking about education and then he seemed to be moving on. And I thought, oh, that, that's going to be it. But we'd kind of been expecting something about the British baccalaureate that's been trialled. But then we, we had that announcement of the, the advanced British standard under these plans, which it's, it's worth mentioning, we're not expecting to come into force for another decade. So they actually said yesterday that they expect primary school kids who are starting primary school this term. So in September will be the first cohort to get that ABS certificate. So... John, what, what exactly is the advanced British standard going to look like? What do we know so far? So I think the, the most striking thing, I guess, is that A-levels and T-levels will be replaced or subsumed by it. Um, I think that might be more bold than we'd perhaps imagined. Obviously, Rishi Sunak talked about the British Baccalaureate in his failed leadership bid to be Prime Minister when he lost to Liz Trust last year. So we know that this is an idea that, that, that appeals to him. Um, and it was, again, trailed that this was something that was going to come. But I, I don't think we were expecting anywhere near the level of detail that we got. Or, or, And it seems odd. The announcement from Gillian Keegan was such a small one and was criticised as such. I actually think there's been quite a lot of criticism, almost for the scale of the ambition, because it just seems so unrealistic. But essentially, we're talking about replacing A-levels, often known as like the gold standard of, of, of state education, but also kind of replacing T-levels um, which are only recently launched, really still establishing themselves as a qualification. And I think it's actually time that this announcement came in T-Levels week. Um, but as well as, as well as kind of fleshing out the idea that, that pupils will start, study a broader range of subjects up to 18, including English and maths, there was also a number of sort of funding announcements that they made that they sort of say they recognise that more teachers are needed and they've kind of announced a couple of things that will support that. One of the things that uh, Rishi Sunak said yesterday in his speech was he was aware that there probably weren't enough teachers to fulfil this ambition in, in the short term. So what, what we've got at the moment is we've got these levelling up payments. So if you're a teacher in what they call a, a key subject, so shortest subjects, um, you, you get that, that payment if you're also in a disadvantaged school over, over the first five years. They're basically increasing that payment to £30,000 that you will get over the first five years of teaching. So, for example, if you're an early career teacher in your first year of teaching physics in a disadvantaged area, instead of getting that £30,000 um, starting salary, you're going to be looking at, you know, towards the more kind of t top end of that. We also had some announcements of some more support for pupils that are re resetting their GCSE maths and English at 16. Um, so that was another thing that was announced yesterday. I think one of the things, John, that definitely came out immediately in the aftermath of that speech, once everyone kind of got over the enormity of what had been announced, was, you know, we've got a lot of things going on in schools at the moment, but what about tackling those short-term things rather than looking at, at the long-term ambition? And Gillian Keegan actually, in a speech at the, um, the CST conference uh, yesterday, did actually kind of refer to this concern over not tackling the, the short-term issues, and this is what she had to say. 
Now, I'm under no illusion about the scale of these changes. They are profound and they are long-term. But I've only really come here to do difficult things because difficult things are what make a difference. They'll take time and care to implement well. I heard some say that now is not the time for long-term ambitious reform, and you could make that argument. But that's why uh, that we already have plenty of challenges in the system today, and, and I know that is true. But change is already here. Yeah, I think it was interesting that Gillian Keegan also talks about it being a a difficult thing to do, but she came here to do difficult things because difficult things make a difference. There's two things that struck me about about the announcement and how it's landed. One is, I guess, it appeals to politicians to be as ambitious and positive as possible on a, on a conference stage because a number of the things that they've announced, they could have announced without the the um, advanced British standard. I will get used to that eventually, probably just as it's ditched. There's a number of things that could be seen basically as a response to the very current and very real recruitment and retention crisis we have. But instead, they're seen as kind of supporting measures to a more positive announcement. So I don't know whether they think that that's, um, that's a better way to do it politically. I also think for the Prime Minister, probably education gives him a bit of a blank canvas to try and say something ambitious and far-reaching. When we know from our audience, our readership, that they have short-term issues that they want dealing with. There is the tightness of funding, rising costs the recruitment and retention crisis, and the ongoing uncertainty over the safety of concrete in school buildings. These are all pressing concerns, and they weren't really front and centre in any of the discussions during the Conservative Party conference. And the other thing, I guess, which is the elephant in the room, is there's a general election next year. Um, and I think the way that this announcement has been both made and received kind of reflects that. They're able to talk in quite abstract, long-term terms. Um, you mentioned that they said it's a decade away. Um, Gillian Keegan sort of talked about it needing care to, to, and time to implement properly. Um, but there is a big question mark about whether this government will, will still be in power in, in 12 months time, never mind 10 years time. So yeah, I think that's, that, that, that's the bigger elephant in the room. And probably the reaction has been slightly skeptical around the announcement. I think if a government announced this at the beginning of their five year term, there would have been a much more of a Ferrari around it because it would have really been a signal that change is definitely on its way. With this, I think it's it feels almost like an ambition rather than a concrete plan. I think so, yeah. And I think there's that kind of sense that you can't get away from it, that, you know, time is running out and how much of this can really be achieved. And I think the other thing that actually, just to quickly mention, kind of pokey about it at the Conservative Party conference was the idea around, has Keegan got her eye on, on the top prize on, on the leadership gig? I, I think she's been in the news over the last month for a few reasons she might not have wanted to be, you know, her bit on ITV kind of saying that she wanted to be thanked for her hard work that she was doing. And I actually had a chat very quickly with Mark Lehane, former political advisor at the Department for Education, who's a member of the Conservative Party, just about kind of what he thought about this and what, what members were saying. I caught up with him at the Tory party conference earlier this week. Well, there's not a vacancy at the moment, is there? And of course I have to say that, but like Rishi Sunak's only been Prime Minister for a year. Um, that there's going to be an election, what, in the next year or so? I think one of the really lovely things about Gillian Keegan is what you see is what you get. And we've seen that recently, haven't we? Like, where she said stuff and people have reacted to it. But what you see is what you get. And that is, that is genuinely really refreshing. Like, we always say, oh, we want politicians that say what they think and think what they say. And, like, I think she's just one of those, and I think that's great. So as you mentioned earlier, this is very much a kind of a week on tour for yourself. You've had the Conservative Party conference and you've got Labour to come. But sandwiched in between there, we've been in Birmingham for the past two days for the Confederation of School Trust Conference, which is the sector body for academy trusts in England. 
It opened with a, a keynote speech from Leora Kuras, and I think perhaps one striking thing maybe is that the recent political announcements didn't register. It's not something she talked about. She very much, the theme of their conference this, um, this week is belonging, and I think she very much sort of tried to talk about the values that she thinks should underpin multi-academy trusts in, in making sure that they are belonging and in inclusive organisations. And she also talked a little bit about um, the challenges that school face, and I think that's probably the the most striking difference, I reckon, between the conference we're at now and the, the political ones either side of them is whereas politics is often, often about lofty aspiration, I feel like this will be a little bit more about day-to-day challenges, about the reality of the job. And she talked about the need to restore the social contract, the belief that schools can do that, but also the issues that poverty and a lack of trust are causing schools. I definitely felt like a very different theme there. And I think it's something that probably would resonate with, with school leaders more immediately. Like you said, you know, kind of not, thinking ahead too far into the future, but looking at, you know, what what problems are facing schools right now. And she also talked about a rising tide of mistrust against schools um, and how they're having to kind of grapple with that and how they can maybe rebuild that. It was definitely a very interesting speech. And also, I think, you know, we were really hoping as well, we were expecting Leora to sit down with Gillian Keegan after her keynote and it didn't quite, quite work Yeah, that out. was such a strange and abrupt end. So Basically, we were kind of promised a fireside chat style interaction with Leora Curtis and Gillian Keegan, which from a journalist perspective is normally great because you might get sort of direct questions from the sector and you might get sort of more off the cuff, less, less prepared remarks. But just at the very end, uh, Gillian Keegan herself said, oh, we haven't got time for this. It's not my doing. And she was gone. Um, so, yeah, um, so the sector didn't get a chance to, to, to put any kind of concerns that they might have wanted to to her. But um, I think she struck quite a conciliatory tone in her speech. She, she was at pains to thank, thank the sector for everything they'd done. And she also, I think, tried to say that it, they would be working very much with the sector for, in their plans for, for, the, um, for the advanced British standard. Yeah, absolutely. And she said she was, she was very, very happy to be here this year now that all the industrial action was resolved. So it does really feel like she's kind of paving the way for a, a different outlook for the next year, for sure. So we're, we're fin- finishing up at CST today and I'll be going back down to London for a few days and then back up again to, to Liverpool for Labour. We've heard a little bit from Labour, haven't we, John, just kind of about what their plans are, what their ambitions are. Have we heard anything at all that kind of contradicts Gillian Keegan and Rishi Sunak's big announcements over the last few days? Well, I think when, um, when the British Baccalaureate was floated... Um, a week or so ago, there's a kind of an interesting reaction from Labour. So from the front bench, I think um, uh, Bridget Phillipson described it as a gimmick and Keir Starmer criticised the government for introducing uncertainty into the, um, into the mix of schools. Um, however, we did cover an event last week, uh, Education Summit, where Labour's former spin doctor and obviously a very well-connected person within the Labour Party, Alistair Campbell, touched on it and said that although Labour might have come out instantly and said it's a bad idea, he knows for a fact that there are many people in the Labour Party who think it's a good idea. His, his partner, Fiona Miller, the sort of prominent education campaigner uh, among them. So that was a really interesting thing because I think there are some of the elements of the um, British Baccalaureate plan that echo some of the stuff Labour tried to do. This is going back to when they were in power. They had a, a Tomlinson report which basically talked about kind of creating a vocational diploma. And again, it's this age-old thing of raising the profile of technical education I think today Gillian Keane talked about ending the artificial divide. But the other things that we've heard from Labour, the things that we might expect them to talk about next week, I think is, I, I imagine that they will frame themselves as having a plan for the immediate challenges and criticising this government for having not addressed that last week. So they've made a commitment to hire more than 6,000 new teachers. 
They've also made a, a commitment to reform Ofsted or to consult on changing Ofsted grades so that schools are no longer judged in a single word, but by a scorecard. I think that would be a m massive, massive change if that happens. I mean, it would be fraught with its own problems in terms of how it's implemented, but I think there might be a sense that that could have a huge impact in terms of the pressure on teachers if, if the idea of, of, um, of a single word judgment attached to your school is, is lifted. And then the other things that they've talked about previously are a breakfast club for, for all primary school children. And then, of course, the, uh, the real dividing line, I guess, in policy terms at the moment between the, the, the Conservative and Labour Party is Labour's plans to change the tax status of independent schools. They rode back slightly in terms of not ending their charitable status, but they are still wanting to change their tax arrangements. And I think the Conservatives kind of came out and tried to frame that as a kind of an attack on aspiration. But Labour will probably think that they are in a strong place with this policy on two fronts, really. One, the vast majority of parents send their children to state schools rather than private. But also, I think they've had to make a lot of kind of compromises or changes from the kind of policy agenda that they had last time and the kind of policy agenda that a lot of people who are Labour voters might want to see. And I feel like they probably think that they've found an issue that they can basically appeal to the left of the party with this idea of kind of removing the perks of private schools. Absolutely. Well, next week in Liverpool, we'll obviously be hearing a, a lot more about these policies that Labour have revealed ahead of the general election and digging a little bit more, I think, into the detail. It might be one of the first times we've actually had some one-on-one -on -one time to ask those maybe more immediate questions that we have in, in reaction to that. So we're looking forward to being able to deliver on some of those things for our readers. So thanks so much, John. We'll, we'll be back next week. Hopefully have some very exciting updates from the Labour conference. And don't forget, you can read all of these stories that we've discussed today on our website under news. And we will see you next week.